Hi, it's Michael Kerr here presenting Small Business Banter. Welcome into this very special edition of Small Business Banter Community Radio and Podcast. We're going to be running a four-episode series on cooperatives, and the series is brought to you by the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals, Melina Morrison from the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals. Over to you. Thanks, Michael. And we are just thrilled to be sponsoring this four-episode series because co-ops, as you know, are really important. They're especially important to small business owners that need to come together to collaborate, to get more of the supply chain or to export or scale and all of the other things that we need to do with other people. So in the four episodes, we'll be hearing interviews that you've done, Michael, with people behind four new cooperatives. And you're digging down on why and how they came about in the first place, why they chose the co-op model, and the difference the co-op structure is making in their business and to their community, of course, because it's all about people before profits. So if you are a current or prospective cooperative and you'd like to learn more about how they run, I really encourage you to listen in and get inspired and learn from others who are actually doing it right now. You can listen to this episode or any of the others by searching up Small Business Banter on your favourite podcast app. Okay, so welcome into another edition of Small Business Banter Community Radio and Podcast. Um, Moira Weir's in with me today. Moira is uh, going to give us in, in a little bit of time an outline of her personal experience and a couple of the cooperatives she's involved with. As you know, this series, this is the third interview in the series sponsored by the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals on uh, shining a light on cooperatives as a business model. So welcome in, Moira. Thank you. Appreciate it. Really nice to be here, Michael. Really appreciate you taking time. You've got uh, you've got a lot going on. So why don't um, you uh, just give us a little bit about Moira and, and also we're talking uh, about Flock Co-op, but there's a story behind Flock Co-op and you're going to tell us what Flock Co-op does and how it was uh, how it came about. So, but yeah, firstly, a little bit about Moira, and then uh, then about the co-op, please. Thanks, Michael. So, um, yes, I have been a co-op enthusiast for many, many years. Uh, my co-op journey began. I was introduced to co-ops really um, by a colleague, David Kilner, who had been very involved in South Australia uh, from supporting people to create housing co-ops. And he was also involved in the early legislation here in South Australia. I know we have national legislation now, but back in the day, uh, we all began to do our own thing. And I was completely um, enamoured about uh, co-ops. And in fact, David, myself and a few others then created our own co-op, um, which was in those days called Social Options Australia. And it was a consulting company, a consulting co-op, and we worked um, in evaluation and reviews and public policy, a bit of corporate work and not-for-profits and particularly um, helping organisations um, become more equitable in what they were doing. So there was an incredible alignment between our own co-op values and the work we did. And that we did that for about 10 years, in the uh, mainly all through the 90s, and uh, it was a fantastic uh, experience. And so 
I had that, um, you know, love of co-ops uh, both as a participant and also as a someone who had, um, you know, been delivering those services and receiving them. So that was that was great. And, I mean, I've been in my own local food co-op, for instance, and um, like many of us, we've all members of our um, roadside assistance. Um, so in South Australia, that's the RAA, <clears throat> which is South Australia's largest mutual. So I've, um, you know, my uh, bank over the years, I moved into more of a co-op world. In fact, I did bank with what was the Adelaide Co-op, which eventually t- um, joined with others and became Bendigo. So there's all sorts of um, hist- history with me with co-ops. So it was inevitable. And connection to the model. And we'll, we yeah. might, I'd, I'd like to understand, you know, how that came about if we've got time through the interview. Sure, yeah. So as a consequence of that, it seemed obvious to me that um, co-ops would continue to be in my life further down the track and, indeed, that's exactly how um, they came to me through uh, when we established the Hen House Co-op. So for those people who are interested in it, has got nothing to do with chickens, although I do have four red hens running around my backyard right this very minute. Um, what it's to do with is closing the gender investment gap. So we are a non-distributing, um, not-for-profit co-op uh, with a goal to um, educate and advocate and also test some models about how we can uh, disrupt the patriarchy and uh, disrupt colonialisation and um, through um, cooperative mechanisms and um, cooperative endeavours. The the particular co-op that we, we connected over and we wanted to not talk exclusively about but, you know, certainly focus on was Flock Co-op. And so can you just describe Flock Co-op and how, how it came out of the hen yeah. house? I think you called it the mothership, <laughs> did you? Something like that or maybe uh, Mother Hen. <laughs> mother Hen, yeah. We... Um, so the Hen House Co-op uh, incubated flock and um, just to keep those chicken metaphors going and um, what we did was um, in June last year, in June um, 2021, um, Hen House hosted a hackathon and the idea was that we put a proposition to teams to ask the question, if um, there was an online platform um, to support co-op creatives um, or people who are creatives, uh, what could that be? What could it look like? And the provocation came about because I've been writing a personal blog for 10 years now, uh, once a week. Um, so if anyone's interested in that, it's just moira.blog. Uh, but I, um, at the beginning of the year, last year, I thought, you know, it'd be really good if I could monetize this. <laughs> it just seems like that would be a bit of a bonus, wouldn't it? So I thought, well, there must be a, there must be a platform out there, you know, a, uh, that, I could, you know, a WordPress equivalent or something that is a co-op that I could or owned by women was the other thing I was looking for uh, because rather than giving my, you know, $10 subscription to uh, Silicon Valley or a bunch of blokes in a boardroom in San yeah. Francisco or London or New York, um, you know, I'd rather it be going into another kind of system. And I couldn't find one. Um, you know, all of the big platforms out there, you know, Marketplace and WordPress and um, Substack and all of those, they're all owned mostly by blokes. Most of their shareholders are men and they're all company models um, with shareholders. And so that was part of the provocation. So when the groups came together at the hackathon, um, out of it came this idea of flock. 
which would be a co-op, a distributing co-op, where the um, people who were creating the content would also then be the owners of it. And um, so we had the prototype, we did an MVP to see how it would work. And about four weeks ago, we it took flight and got its first little wings out of the nest and off its, um, yeah. it's now, um, it's, so you can find it online at flop.coop. And we've got about 25 artisans. And so just like every entrepreneurial exercise, we did a few little pivots all along the way. So what the provocation was and what we've got now is not quite the same, but that's because we market tested, we included people, we did a lot of community consultation. Um, and so Flock Co-op, it will be a co-op. At the moment it's still, um, you know, under our, our wing, uh, but very soon we'll be able to start those people who are participating in it will create their own co-op. Okay, and, and yes, you, you talked a, a few uh, business terms there, MVP being minimal viable product. And and one of the things in this series is to try to, you know, uh, focus on cooperative structure or mutual structure in its in their various different forms, you know, as a as an ownership and an operating model. But, you know, at the end you need to be able to the community needs to to run a business and um, that then the pins or is you know is the is what is the, you know what the co-op is all about the there's plenty of there's plenty of platforms around and there's plenty of places to distribute content but you you've outlined there a pretty um, there's a community of, of people that wanted to showcase and, and and own a platform that was a bit more related to their um, needs or their uh, motivations is that yeah. was that a strong reason for it you know for coming you know coming together uh, yes it was and one of the, the the reasons that we had the the gap that we had identified as the hen house was that many um, artists and artisans in particular are pretty challenged by the digital space you know they're quite good at being artists, but they may not be so good at putting their work into the world through and, and in these COVID times that became very challenging. You know, they couldn't get their gear to markets and lots of the usual places for yeah. their outlets were um, compromised one way or another. And so we, um, one of our principles um, in getting this going and uh, was to make sure that we could support people to cross what I call that digital divide so that they knew how to um, get their, like have an online store, so to speak, plus uh, not be um, compromised by only the best people's work being at the top. So we've got a, a process where the, the um, content of the artisans gets completely refreshed all the, every time you press it. So it's not just the ones who are making all the money that get up the top, which is what's typical in most of the other kind of platforms like that. So, again, yeah, that's a, a replication of um, not just cooperative principles but feminist business principles so that we um, are really trying to build equity into the platform itself um, as well as for the participants and that way they get a much fairer go of what's going on. As you say, there's an algorithm in in all of these, you know, for for profit commercial, which is fine. You know that that um, it maybe it reflects what you know. Well, it, it may reflect what people want. It may reflect what you know they want them to want. But anyway, that's another matter. I think I can see in there that you know the guiding principles on which your cooperatives base must allow for that 
equity it because it you know it's um it's not all about um a race to the top for the creators on that uh, digital marketplace yeah exactly one of the other principles for us is that um we you know we're cultural workers um as co-op members and we are in a very interesting time from an economics in the world and an environmental space we um, and so we want to make this revolution irresistible. So we want the content to be beautiful and um, attractive in a way that will attract the kind of people that believe in the things that we believe in as well. Mm. So um, those things are quite deeply woven into both the platform and into the practice of ho- hosting the co-op. And, um, and we hope that that will start to then... Uh, and we're ambitious in this, but we really hope that that will make that visible to the world and in, in that way continue to champion both co-op principles, you know, feminist business practices and the value of the arts in our society and our economy and how it has that conversation with the way we want to um, make changes to for future generations. How are the you know the creators and artists going with that you know transition like without losing touch with their 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 artistic endeavor and their motivations on the way to also uh, I guess r- running a small business you know in a in a friendly uh, environment yeah. is that is that an on is that one of the you know, I can imagine that it's the same across a lot of you know. Uh, in inverted commas, craft or, or home-based or, or micro businesses, where someone does it could be a service or a product, or um, you know that, and the kind of hoping that you know if that they'll be discovered. But this is you know you, you need to, I think you need to you know to kind of put in some uh, extra effort to to bring people along, otherwise yeah, it, it, yeah, totally agree and. And we are in our very early stages. As I said, it's a month old. Um, But we have, um, and I think for many of the people who are on the platform, um, it's their, some of them are doing a bit of both. They're continuing to do their, wherever they've already been in shops and selling themselves. Um, We don't, they don't have to be exclusively with us, which again is that recognition of, um, you know, cooperative values. I'm hoping that as we, as the market itself starts to form around these people um, and the sort of ways I would want that to happen is if you're a, a corporate or if you're um, an organisation, a school, it could be anything, and you just say, well, we'll be buying our gifts this year from Flock. Um, so, you know, or if you're a co-op, I mean, I hope mm. other co-ops um, come to Flock for their, um, you know, their thank yous to somebody who's done something special for them or, um, you know, it doesn't even have to be in the gift, but for the birthday presents and maybe, you know, baby showers and whatever it is. But instead of thinking, oh, I'll go to Etsy or I'll go to Marketplace, um, well, you know, come to Flock and then you'll actually be supporting the values and the people that are close, more closely aligned to what's important to you. Yeah, it, it kind of, it seems like a natural extension to, you know, to support and the the energy around co-ops at the at at the minute is is you know is really you know powerful electric it's um it's enabling communities to you know and, and to do things that um are necessary or or you know which sometimes is 
because no, you, you know, I've referenced this a couple of times recently, the Sea Lake Hotel um, in Victoria, which is a pub that uh, was, I think, up for sale, wasn't going to sell. Locals wanted the pub or a pub, so they had to do it themselves. And that's what I, you know, I particularly love about cooperative models and and then and in in this series is you know is a lot about um you know sharing the experiences of why and how you did it um so i, I want to um just come back to the 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 pro you, you talked about minimum viable product but i just want to talk about how you kind of made it happen but i do want to reintroduce um moira we're, we're talking to today on small business banter community radio and podcast um in this series brought to you by the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals. So there was a vision um, came out of, you know, a, a community coming together around some um, some things, that, you know, that were important to them. What who, who were the key stakeholders, for want of a better term, to get the to get it happening, I, I, I can see, you know, there's maybe there's creators, maybe there's a board, maybe there's a, the founders. You know, maybe there's funders. Who are the, the key parties? So um, the community that gathered um, were really the hackathon community. So there were four teams, um, three in the room and one online, and then there was about 100 other people who we called a phone a friend. So uh, often in these events, you know, you have your mentors and your supporters, and we were in the middle of COVID world and we knew that we couldn't have a lot of people in the space so um, I invented the idea of, well, why don't we have this <laughs> instead, And which was absolutely amazing. So people who were, you know, lawyers and uh, entrepreneurs and investors and community leaders and they all, you know, techies, they all volunteered. And so each of the teams could, you know, make an appointment to phone the friend according to the, what needs they had. Oh, over this that is really weekend. building things on the fly, isn't it? Yeah. So we did all of that, which was fantastic. But that also then created a bit of a, a platform for us to know who was out there to support the work going forward. So once we had something in place, we did have some support from a philanthropic foundation um, and they um, they had actually fund, given us some funds in the hen house um, a year or so earlier and we had preserved some of that for whatever we were going to do in this event but we didn't know what that was going to be so we were able to deploy some of that and we hired two of the team that kind of developed like 90 percent of the model we also um, we gave them an opportunity and everyone involved the opportunity if they wanted to go forward to take it to the next level and we had a little bit of that money then and said well this is what we've got um would who's interested and a couple of those people from one of the teams took that up uh one who has um a really good tech background and she worked for code like a girl and another one who um has a a design and marketing background um who works for studio world and together they set up um and created the minimum viable product with that and we um were then able to do some testing and build some people together we found a small group of artisans who were who would have been challenged by all the issues like crossing the digital divide and they tested everything and we sold, uh, we had our one little shop and that happened over the Christmas period and um, that group of people then um, who were the testers, if you like, also tested and talked a lot about what it would mean to run a business and 
across the digital divide and what all the issues were. So we were able to really um, get close in entrepreneurial language, you know, to that user experience. And then then from there uh, we felt like we had enough to, you know, practice going into the world. And um, another philanthropic foundation gave us a very small amount of money um, and we set ourselves a task to try and onboard or at least educate and find about 60 people so um, who would be interested. And um, as, as your sort of foundation creators. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, just as being the baseline participants. Yeah. And, um, and, and also with a view that they would be people who would want to, um, you know, have an online store, most of them be in a position where they needed to cross that digital divide because they didn't have that access that became yeah. that was central to our, our philanthropic funder um, and it was central to us in the hen house as well because otherwise why would we be doing it? You know, there'd be no real reason. And um, then out of that, I think we've got 30 now on um, and there's probably been, been 50 or 60 people who have been involved in this next phase. But the goal would be that as we grow into that, um, we will get more uh, support uh, from sales is where we want to generate. We want the the people buying things to be um, our investors uh, rather than going to market and saying, you know, we don't want to behave like a not-for-profit. We want to behave like a commercial co-op. Yeah. So, um the um, flock will be a distributing co-op when when it gets to that point, and when we feel we feel it's probably some months away. As people, it's just too much to learn all at once, and well, and we can hold everyone together in our little nest in the hen house um, by looking after um, the co-op for now, and then um, we hope that they'll be in a position to start coming together. And in fact, my hope is that they'll start you know, saying, hang on, stop looking after us. We we want to do it ourselves. And uh, that will be the sign and the time when we're ready to know that. Yeah, that let, letting go. But, yeah, like it's, but it's no different to any other startup business. Correct. You, you, need, you need that, um, you need a, a problem to solve or, you know, uh, you know there's got to be a driving reason for you wanting to do that. You need hand-holding, you need funding, and it sounds like, you know, with, with Hen House you've got that and still have it for Flock Co-op. Mm-hmm. And then you had some funders. And how did that come about? Because it's a track record of doing other things. You, you personally and others have been involved in the Co-op and and, and um, working on, on the particular causes or, you know, issues that you, you really um, – connect with um, for, for a long period of time. So that must have helped in terms of giving funders the confidence that the seed money is in good hands. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's just true for everything, isn't it? Reinvestors or even when you purchase something at the shop, um, you know, you're going to choose something you feel is probably going to work. Um, mm-hmm. And it sure. doesn't always do that. So, um, yeah, and I mean, I've been around for a long time and um, I'm well known in the not-for-profit and in the um, entrepreneur community. I was um, I used to be the CEO of Volunteering South Australia and Northern Territory years ago, so I've you know got a very broad reach there. I've uh, been on the um, Minister's uh, Entrepreneurship Advisory Board for the last few years, so I'm I'm very well positioned to support 
these kind of initiatives. And between us on the board, though, we have some incredible networks and fabulous people who have nurtured and supported Flock. Um, so uh, uh, two of our board members have really um, driven that, um, Kate Simpson and um, Parika Verma, that we, who have been absolutely um, outstanding in the support and also the individual. So Lauren, who uh, from Studio Veld, she, um, you know, was in the hackathon, then she was involved in the MVP and then we hired her and Studio Veld to get the... Um, the marketplace together and the tech and the beautiful um, website. It does. It, it is. It is beautiful. Um, I, I had yeah. a, a good look around it, and uh, you know, and Studio Veld is. It's a pretty funky website. That one, I love it. The yeah, they've done a super job, and 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 the, and they understand our values, and yeah. you know, they're part. Of, you know, Lauren's a member of the Hen House, and so it's. Um, you know, I really feel that there's the infrastructure of goodwill and the infrastructure of community and um, and a desire to do something different is alive and well. And as you said in your opening remarks, I think we're in a renaissance for co-ops and, uh, and from a female founder's point of view, um, women uh, founders in all businesses uh, do not get their fair share of the investment dollar, which is at the heart of where the hen house comes from. So anything we can do to help close that investment gap, uh, as well as draw attention to it, is what is our you know what drives us. So we think this is also a way of divesting from patriarchy so that instead of um, investing in, you're putting your gear on Etsy or Marketplace or those similar sorts of platforms, um, why don't you, you know, invest in this one, which is run by a bunch of women and and non-binary folks who are really trying to change the world as well at the same time. Yeah, and a lot of those, you know, we we are, we have such dominant platforms and, you know, they are go-to because, they just own, you know, the the media. They they own advertising. It's pretty hard to you know to, to you know to move around them sometimes. So it's ground up, and and in your case, you know, we're getting you know starting small. Like that's that that's one one way, um, and it means a lot to the to the people in the community. And I mean, I'm interested in the development. I know it's early days, but of the creators. Firstly, you know, getting involved, coming up and looking at this, you know, for some of them, a, a big uh, digital um, blockage that, you know, maybe they've been, you know, artisans and, 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 and not really uh, to date kind of uh, invested in or, ta- you know, taken to digital media in the way they, you know, we probably would encourage them to do because there's so, you know, this is a great example of an opportunity where, digital is um is going to help them if they can embrace that without losing you know their their core kind of um interest in what they do what what are what are some of the you know there you know have you seen some um progressions and if or others that you know you've need to give some extra kind of motivation or assistance to yeah so it's it's um interesting um so it has challenged some assumptions I've had. Um, I thought some of the people who perhaps were in my vintage, so those of you who can't see me, are older. <laughs> it's a great thing about radio, isn't it? That 
that's a great thing. But, you know, they might well have had more struggle um, than perhaps some of the younger ones. But I do notice that if, uh, some of the younger ones have had an aversion or it's a bit like when you don't learn to drive until you're 45 and everyone just thinks you already know how to do it. And so they've been, they've struggled with that um, or and have needed extra support there. Also, for people who have, um, one of the big things is those who are in their little micro businesses, they've never thought that their work was worthy to be on in a public space and to be visible. You know, they've just done little things off the side of their table um, um, or said, oh, mum, can you take these and sell them at work or you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's- and so, so just see them excited and uh, feeling just worthy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's a personal transformation, isn't it, that, that is yeah. enabled by, you know, doing something, you know, let's call it a, you know, a micro business, but that, that's, you know, I, I, you know, at all levels that can be so powerful for an individual, for a community, you know, get away yeah, from the earrings, Yeah, the earrings I'm actually wearing today um, I bought on Flock and the artist sent me a personal note going, this is the first time I've ever bought, sold anything online. I'm so excited. Thank <laughs> you. It, you know, it's made much, it's such a big difference to my life. Yeah. Now, just someone having, taking the time to write a little personal note and me knowing that I've made that contribution to her life um, just was, um, you know, very, very special. Very yeah, special. Uh, for sure. Uh, we we definitely want more of that. Um so, you know, four weeks or whatever it is, in, it's probably, I'm not trying to add to the, you know, the <laughs> pressure here, but I'm not, but in terms of running the, the cooperative here on, I mean, we've talked about how, you know, broadly how you got started and some of the, you know, the opportunities for, for change and, you know, um, in, in the way people purchase and the way creators create, but how does um, is Hen House still kind of? It is still there in the background. So, is Flock going to or uh, down the track of having a, its own separate governance? What does that look like? How does mm-hmm. it work? You know, month to month or week to week? Yes, yeah, certainly that's the plan that it will become its own co-op and be a distributing co-op. Um, we know that um, Hen House will still need to be involved at some somehow along the way financially even with all the best modeling we would need to be selling you know like 10 million units to be able to Mm. cover all the costs and so much of the contribution has been done by volunteers and um you know gifted time so um we know that there's that's going to be another big bridge to cross um but that's definitely the intention that the um the artisans will be the co-op members and own the co-op. At the moment, um, that's not a requirement to be a hen house member, and so it's really that the hen house is hosting it. Um, but that's sure that's what's on the agenda, and that's the plan as we build yeah. community and grow. And and again, that's not unlike any um, business incubating another one as as a spin-off, and we've seen that in thousands of other companies. And indeed in co-ops, I mean, if you look at um, what happened with the raspberries up in um, northern Queensland, they were banana and then they became raspberries and then they've got, you know, distribution and logistics chains that are all separate co-ops now that all link together. It's how mutuals um, begin because they're really, you know, an, um, an aggregation of other 
businesses of businesses. So yeah. we don't see any difference there. Um, if we look at Modrigon, you know, the the, the mega co-op of co-ops, that's really what they've done too. So we feel we're in very good company historically, but we are very, um, uh, we are fledglings. <laughs> we're only yeah. at the beginning. Most, if not all, businesses will have that that pathway, that financial pathway where it's, you know, invest some money, get it get it up and running. And I, I guess one of the disciplines that, you you know, you, you hope you'll see more and more with, with all businesses and, you know, but it, um, with co-ops as well is that there's, you know, some financial discipline. I know this is, you know, it, it's kind of someone's got to, someone's got to do that. And um, uh, for all that, you, you don't want to see all that energy and all that, potential and hope for you know for change or for difference and um kind of dissipate uh just for lack of um kind of understanding that there will be a period where we're going to need support you know and you do everything you can to to wean off that support but um you know it's a, it's a there's a big dip and um often it it, it comes as a you know it just in all the work I do with business, it comes as a, a, you know out of left field as a real shock when it shouldn't. You know, we um, sometimes it, it is a complete and, and utter uncontrollable, but uh, oftentimes it's um, just that discipline, just you know, to stick at uh, you know and plan and you know and 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 speculate about what might happen and, and you know try to come up with some uh, you know. Uh, protections and solutions for it, and um, that's that's the piece you know where um, you know where the, the whole governance and operating structure is so you know so get, have a have the right mix of people who understand that you know how the you know the creators create, and but also you know that we are we've got a we've got a great opportunity here. It is a it is a business, at, you know, at, at the core and. We need to support it along with um, with a broad range of skills. Yeah, we're very fortunate on our board, um, Parika, who has been involved in Flock. She's got a background um, in scenario planning, so that oh, does help us to yeah. think those things through. Which that was really a term I was, I was looking for, <laughs> yeah, scenario planning. So we definitely have um, some in-house expertise there to help guide us and, and challenge us and ask us the right questions. And uh, also we've got um, another woman on our board who has um, very experienced in co-ops and shifting to employee-owned organisations as well and businesses. So I'm feeling quite um, confident that there's a, there's enough skills around us. And, of course, we're never on our own. Um, we've got the support of people, you know, like the BCCM around us, uh, the Co-op Federation, um, the, the community of co-ops all over the world who, yeah. you know, that's one of those, that's one of the co-op principles. So we know that we can reach out and get support if we need to and equally people reach out to us for that too. So, um, the you know, the mutuality is, is absolutely central for knowing how we might go forward as well. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I, it's exciting. It really is exciting times. Um, on, And what is, um, you know, been incredibly insightful in in or already and this is the third interview is just the diverse co-ops is a and mutuals is a fairly big um broad term um you, you know break it down you know and and the intersection of employee ownership and distributing non-distribute there's so many you know uh, different um and 
and it's um you know and there there's a place for all of them but um it's certainly not one one size fits all i think what's what's central you know is the um is that purpose or you know that that mission that you know that creates the opportunity and the need to do something and we're going to have to do it ourselves and that's why you know i love that energy so much yeah, me too. And, uh, you know, if people are in communities are thinking about, you know, why a co-op, I mean, the unfair advantage that co-ops have is the community itself. Yeah. And um, and so that's the, that's the work. And um, I think it's really important to build community and out of that people, once people come together, they start to see what's important to them and how they can um, find ways to support one another. Uh, and that may not be um, a muscle that's well developed, and I think therefore you need people in co-ops who understand um, how communities work and how money flows through communities, and how communities and that economic base can create the conditions for more equitable and more just relationships. And um, so that's kind of the equation, as I see it. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do love that unfair advantage um, uh, that you can you can you can have, you can own. Like it's it's been unfairly you know distributed you know previously. So this is a way to you know, grab a bit the, yourself. Um, yeah, or for, or for your for community. Any um, unexpected benefits from you know that or. Or, or things that were just a little bit left field. You've been you've been in in the cooperative movement for a, you know for a, a long time. Um, can you still do you still uh, <laughs> see, see new new ways of doing things? Or yeah, well, I mean, I do look around, and sometimes there's perverse um, <laughs> outcomes um, where people think they're in a co-op and they forget that they're in a co-op and start behaving like they're in a company and treating people as shareholders rather than members. So there's a lot of um, uh, what I often call not re-education but unlearning that has to happen. Um, and and that unlearning, I you know, is often quite a big tension uh, between old paradigms and um, of capital and uh, co-ops. And one of the things that I'm feel I often am talking about with people interested in co-ops is that this is not new um, and, in fact, um, the way of being cooperative is fundamental. If we look to our First Nations people, they have been cooperatives. We didn't have a legal structure around that, so let's not pretend this is new. So I have, um, I'm, I'm constantly saying, oh, no, 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 this has been going on. It's been legal for hundreds of years. Uh, it's a place where women first uh, were able to vote where they couldn't be vote as shareholders or company directors. And, you know, just keep um, drilling into the fact that it's it's always been um, the preferred model for humans to work mm-hmm. together. Um, that's how um, and, and to look to First Nations for advice around that and how is it that... Um, you know, in this land, our beautiful place, I'm on Ghana country in South Australia. And um, I really want the lessons I have learned from being here and um, from elders and from others is that, you know, people live together um, cooperatively, not just with each other but with the environment. And um, and we could do a lot to learn from that. So um, 
that they're the lessons for me about yeah. how to encourage other people to say, oh, no, 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 this isn't a new thing. Um, just have a think about how the yeah. world works and um, and you'll know that um, uh, what's the what's perverse is the way that capital has run, and, you know, with 10 you know, ten blokes owning more than, you know, 75% of the whole population of the planet. Like that's the perverse bit, not cooperatives. No, no. Um, no, and... You know, it gets so glamorized, and as we talked about earlier, it's just so in your face. It's you know, th- this is what you know, this is the opportunity. It's and perhaps the necessity for communities to to take that leap to understand if if you want to leave it up to to you know the the existing structure, it'll, it might happen, but it'll happen in a way that suits them, not not you. So um, you've got to you know, I think that's. You know, it's and you've you've done it many times before, and 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 you know, there's there's wonderful examples around of co-ops all around the country, and uh, and indeed just good good biz, good small businesses. It takes a few people initially to to spark that, and then a lot more to you know to come along. So you got to rally somehow, you know, and and uh, make it you know re- get the right people involved, uh, make sure they understand that. You know, it's 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 the time if you want to do something about this and the opportunities there. A couple of things in closing. I really, you know, it's it's great to to chat someone who's you know had had such a depth of experience and you know and uh, can see that that history of you know the way co-ops run is you know is 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 a model for and it's not rocket science to look back and go it's been working all right for a fairly long time. Let's uh, you know let's let's keep. To keep doing it. So, uh, firstly, just just for those listening in, what flock co-op? What 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 can they get there? If they ah, wonder, well, <laughs> I, there's, there's there's all sorts of things. So, um, uh, you know, there's jewellery and um, some beautiful handmade garments as well. Um, there's more things coming. There's um, you know, paintings and. Uh, primarily, it's artworks at the what you know, or different kind of artisans um, who have got their work online, and um, and that's where we saw the gap. You know, they are in the arts and crafts. So, um, I suspect if you have an interest in, you know, you wanting to buy someone something special for their birthday or Christmas, um, some of the products are, um, have a bit of a premium on them because they are beautiful and they've been handmade. Um, we have um, some making sure that you know there's no plastics and all of that kind of yeah, thing. environmentally so it's, really trying to it's fair environmentally trading yeah friendly. it's quite a all of that. Yep. yeah um yeah so so that's no, yeah no it's, it, I, it is it is some beautiful and and i can yeah i can vouch the earrings are you know you know not <laughs> you're not going to see them everywhere and um in for you know part of the reason for this series is to encourage current co-ops and mutuals that are um, maybe needing a little bit of, you know, re-energisation or, or, or communities or, or others that are thinking about cooperatives as a way to, you know, deal, get a, get a cooperative up and running because it's, it, you know, there is a business that needs, it's vital in their community. Or, or And so what's your advice to those about re-energising or, or just getting started. I mean, you, you you talked about the BCCM as a as a resource, and but what what are your your key kind of um, 
directions to take for for someone in those situations? Yeah, I mean, the first thing for me is always to, you know, grab a cup of tea or a glass of wine or a beer or something and get a few of them around the table and have a chat. You know, start from where you are, start from what is important to you, why it's important to you, have that conversation and see where the conversation takes you um, and go into it with an open mind and an open heart so that you can see what's possible to emerge. Uh, I think one of the often happens um, the relationship. It's a, bit like a, ch- a bit of like a chatathon. A chatathon, yeah, definitely. But I would definitely be doing that and being open to the emerging space and what's happening as a result of you coming together, you know, and noticing it you know, have the conversation and then ask yourselves, okay, what did we notice? Or we noticed we really liked being together. We noticed that we were so excited we were talking over each other. We noticed that um, when we felt sad, we all felt sad about the same things. Um, When we felt optimistic, we had three other people we could have invited into the conversation. So gathering up the noticing after you've had your little chatathon is, I think, you know, step one and then step two. Um, and and to look for inspiration and support from the co-op community, you know, globally. There is a lot going on and um, I certainly have benefited from um, being involved in, um, I was um, part of a Modrigon uh, series uh, last year and we had um, fabulous content from um, the New School in New York and um, which really inspired and encouraged me. Uh, looking around at what's happening, um, just, you know, following uh, BCM, CCM's um, press releases is enough to keep you inspired. Yeah, seeing sure is. Seeing the encouragement that they are bringing to our national conversation about what it means to be in business and what it means to demonstrate the cooperative values um, in a public policy um, context. So, I mean... I, I need a bit of inspo every now and again, and that's where I go. Yeah. Um, and, look, I, the other thing that's really exciting that I've, um, you know, seen is that the breadth of industries that are that are covered by cooperatives, the model's, you know, very old and very, you know, uh, well-established, but also, yeah, it's just so many um, different kinds of uh, businesses or, or cooperatives and mutuals are, are out there that, you know, that cover pretty much what it you know most communities are going to need so um thank you so much for your time moira it was uh, wonderful to get this time with you and i i wish you and um and the team at flock.coop all the very best as well as at hen house and yeah so i uh, appreciate your time thanks michael it's been lovely to be on small business banter with you and um, i look forward to listening to the rest of the conversations in the series That's great. Thanks, Moira. Well, what a great conversation. And thanks for listening in to this episode, which is part of a four-part series on co-ops brought to you by Michael Kerr, at Small Business Banter and the BCCM, the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals. And if you're interested in setting up or running your existing cooperative, we love to help you and we have lots of tools, information and advisors. 
You can find everything you need to know about how to contact us on our website, which is bccm.coop. That's co-op or coop. And you can listen to the rest of this interview or search up any of the others on Small Business Banter on your favourite podcast app.